In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Hey guys, do you have dreams but seem to be stuck in the stress bubble of life and unable to craft a plan to accomplish your goals in life? Join us today as we give you a simple three-step plan to achieve your goals. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your guide and host of today's show, leading you out of the stress bubble of life and to your best version. Thank you for making this Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. This week, before we jump into our interview, I want to share a cool hero story that happened. If you follow me, you know that a couple weeks ago I was in Hawaii on an Axis deer hunt. Uh, with a buddy of mine. This is actually a real cool shotgun unit hunt, and we killed uh, four deer. We ended the hunt a day early because we had too many deer to bring home, so we left an entire deer that we killed, cut, wrapped, and froze at my buddy's house. And uh, I came home with the biggest buck I'd ever killed in my life over there and another really beautiful buck and had a great time. But while we were there, I, I, met, I met up with a friend of mine, he actually is one of the hunters on the island, and he's done a lot to really help us. And he's, his name is Joe. And I had given him a book a couple of years ago, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. He read the book, and he responded to me. Hey, he goes, hey, Jim, he goes, I got to tell you, I read your book, and I sent it to my son-in-law, who's uh, a soldier in Afghanistan. And it was really cool because he uh, responded back and said, hey, Dad, I've already read this and all of my buddies too. So that is a really cool hero story of, of what God is using uh, in the lives of men and doing with our men in the military. And guys, remember, if you are in active military, we will send you our digital uh, resources for free when it comes to our small group curriculum. So hit us up at info at menarena.org and we will take care of you guys. This episode is sponsored by Juniper Mountain Trading Post. I love their bourbon barrel aged coffee. This is truly a unique coffee experience where they carefully age their coffee beans in genuine American-made 15-year Kentucky bourbon oak barrels. This coffee is unflavored. What you get is you get a hint of the bourbon without any of the alcohol for those who are concerned. It's a very unique 
taste in coffee. I highly recommend it. Guys, if you want to grab some for yourself, you can go to junipermountaintradingpost.com, check out, enter arena, and get 10% off your order. Hey guys, stay tuned to the end of this interview for our weekly man law. You're going to love it. And thank you for making the Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men, where Romans 1.16 is our theme, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or is the power of God for the salvation for the Gentile Jews first and then the Gentiles. And God, he has taken care of us, guys. In the month of July, we've had the highest number of downloads of any month in our history. So guys, thank you for making that happen. And we are excited today to bring on our new guest, John Acuff. John <laughs> Acuff is the New York Times best-selling author with nine books to his credit, including Soundtracks, Your New Playlist, and the Wall Street Journal number one bestseller, Finish. Give yourself the gift of done, which I've got to go get that book. That I love that title. That's all about me. So when, when he's not writing books or recording his All It Takes is a Goal podcast, John can be found on stage as one of Inc.'s top 100 leadership speakers in the world. He's spoken to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, including FedEx, Range Rover, Microsoft, Nokia, and Comedy Central. He lives outside Nashville, Tennessee with his beautiful wife of 22 years and their two daughters. His newest book, which will be released on September 12th, All It Takes is a Goal, the three-step plan to ditch regret and tap into your massive potential, will be released, and we are gonna talk about that today. So John, it's great to have you on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, hey, before we jump into the book, tell us a little about, about your story, what got you to this point, what what makes you tick? Um, well, I, I grew up uh, in the church. My dad's a pastor. Oh. So I, I, pastor's kid out here changing the world, go PKs, and spent about 15 <laughs> years in corporate marketing. Always loved the written word. I started a blog in 2008 called Stuff Christians Like, where I wrote about the funny things we do in church. So oh, silly funny. things like wishing I wore, I had a shirt that said I direct deposit my tithe so that I wouldn't get judged on Sunday morning because no one around me knows like when I hot potato the offering basket that I'm still down with the king. But if I had yeah. a shirt that said I direct deposit my tithe, I'd be fine. I know. I, I want to get what says I bill pay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just silly stuff like that. That kind of turned into a bigger blog than I anticipated. It turned into a book. I ended up um, starting to speak at churches and colleges and conferences and about 10 years ago started my own company to do that full time. So in the last few years, I've written books mainly focused on life improvement, um, things like how do you start goals? How do you finish goals? How do you deal with your mindset? And how do you tap into your potential? And that's what the new one's about. And I, as you mentioned, the bio live in Nashville. We've been here about 13 years. And I've got an almost 20-year-old and a almost 18-year-old daughter, and or two daughters, and we love it here. And that's kind of, that's the quick bio. So you're on the back end of the stress bubble. Yeah. That's what we yeah. call the we're, stress dude, bubble. Dude, we're one more year of high school. She's already oh, senior man. in high school. And so, yeah, we're going to be, I'll be 48. We'll be empty nesters and we'll enter into a new season of, of looking at life and building and growing. And so I love talking to other guys about that because I don't think we talk about that nearly enough. I no. don't think there's, I think there's a lot of guys being a guy is pretty isolating. And so I love that I get to talk to other men about that. 
Well, you have a great quote at the end of your book that I'm going to save till later, but it really deals with objects versus stories. And I think that's what you're talking about. And I'm, you know, my kids, my middle son's coming up here tonight. We're going to go shoot our bows and go scouting for elk. And I'm marrying my my oldest son in a week and his his bride who works for me. And it's just, it's wonderful if you do it right in the bubble, you reap so much fruit outside of the bubble. Oh, it's just it's so, amazing. It's, oh, well, and, and yeah. You can't see the mistakes people are making in their 40s, but in their 50s and 60s, they show up neon. Yeah. So you can kind of go in my 30s and my 40s and my 50s. What am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah, you get. And then if you factor that with like, we have a really good, generous God who's crazy about us. And I think that's part of it, too, is going, wow, like we have a father that says you wouldn't give your own kid a snake. Why would I like and I'm I'm way better than that. Totally. Like, I'm way better than that. And so like it's it's really fun. I like my 40s more than I like my 30s. And I think I'm going to like my 50s more than my 40s. And so I feel like it just keeps getting more fun. Yeah, I'll t- all I can tell you is when you're doing those overhead squats at CrossFit, be careful because that could hurt the shoulders in the 50s. But besides uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. good. And then, I, uh, my and then... knees, <laughs> yeah, I know I have knees. In my 30s, I didn't even know I owned yeah. knee. You're like, and in my late 40s, I'm like, what's that What's that creaking? Like, you're like, yeah, that? You're like, like 24-inch yeah. box jumps? I'm up and down. Now, now in the yeah. 40s, you step down. In the 50s, yeah. you crawl down. In the 60s, you modify. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like you, it's graduated. Oh, you know it, man. Well, hey, so, so, you know, you're reading your book and, and reading about your CrossFit goals and your running goals and all the things you're doing. I mean, obviously you've been married 22 years. You got two kids. It sounds like they just adore you. So it sounds like you're really crushing it in the stress bubble. And so you wrote this book, All It Takes Is a Goal, the three-step plan to ditch regret and tap into your massive potential. And you also have a podcast, All It Takes Is a Goal. So I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but it, yeah. but this is apparent. Uh, uh, at least a, a, it's a now passion of yours. Can you walk us through this book and the podcast and why you went with those titles for these guys? Yeah, so this book came out of my own personal need. I was at college showing my daughter the college I went to. We did a college tour, my oldest daughter. And I was standing there, my wife was standing there, and my wife said, wasn't college amazing? And I said, no, it's <laughs> terrible. It's a train wreck. Yeah. Like, I did not uh, make good use of my college, like got rejected from every fraternity because I was so insecure that, and it came off as arrogance and anger and sarcasm. And I didn't do well, in, like with my grades, they were up and down. And I, I drove away from that kind of moment with a lot of regret. Mm. But I had just written this book about mindset called Soundtracks. And so I, I have these three questions that I teach people to ask their broken soundtracks. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Oh, and if you can't say yes to those three things, it's not something you're supposed to hmm. be listening to. And so I looked at that moment and said, okay, can I turn that regret into hope? What does that look like? And college was four years, but what about the next 40? Like, yep. what about going forward? So I had this deep kind of desire to figure that out for my own life. And then when before I write a book, I see if other people need it too. So there's a PhD named Mike Peasley who helps me do research. We surveyed 3,000 people and said, are you living up to your potential? And 96% of them said no. Yep. And 50% of them said 50% of themselves was untapped. And wow. so the metaphor I use is like, that would be like walking down Christmas morning and only opening half of your gifts. And I think there's a lot of men right now listening to this that are capable of a lot more than they think. And they've got so many more gifts to open up. So once I knew, okay, I want to work on it in my own life. There's a lot of other people that work on it with me that I can help. Now it's worth spending a few years trying to figure out how do you 
deal with potential? How do you make that actionable? I The books I write, I'm always going, what do I do with this on a Tuesday? Mm-hmm. There's a million mm-hmm. people giving a million men advice that you mm-hmm. go, that's fuzzy, that's holistic. I don't even know what to do with that in my real stress bubble. Like yep. You can tell when another man gives you advice and they haven't lived in the trench. Yep. And they go, you just got to do this. And you go, okay, you must not have any kids. You must not have real world stuff. Like you like you gave me advice that isn't true in the, like it's technically true, it's not practically true. And so I wanted to write a book about potential that was tactical and would give people real steps they could really use. That's why it was worth it to me to spend a few years working on this project. Well, and that's the way you break it into your three steps, I thought was really cool because it, it's, they're phrases I probably won't ever forget, like short-term goals, long-term goals, smart goals, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it a thousand times, but you broke sure. it down to something different. On page 17, you said something I thought was cool. You, you kind of bring it down to the earth here. You said, what if I could turn potential into a goal? Now, I thought that was interesting. Then you said that would otherwise, so that would otherwise simplify a confusing challenge. So we're talking about a- applying our potential and getting boots on the ground. So let's let's just dive into this thing, man. Uh, you start off early on. I, I kind of want to build a progression here. And sure. you kind of start off with the guys and go, hey, listen, you're in the stress bubble. You're over on this side. And over here, you're, you see your, your dreams and your goals and your potential. But there's a wall. There's a yeah. wall. Can you talk us through this thing you call the vision wall? Yeah, so a lot of men, when you sit down with them and they, they have that sense, they know they're created for something more, they have that, there's this discontent. And you go, a lot of times in that moment, people say, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? What's your 10-year plan? What's your 20-year plan? What's your, you know, what do you want to be when you mm-hmm. grow up? And that paralyzes a lot of people, that blank piece of paper. And that's what I call the vision wall. There's, there's men that think they have to know exactly where they're headed before they head the first step or they have to know exactly where it's going to be in 15 years before they take the first step. And so what I like to do is go, no, 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 no. What would it look like for us to climb a gold ladder together? And Mm. I'll I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. So most people, when they have a big goal, say it's, I wanna have a really great family. I wanna make a million dollars in my business. I wanna get in shape, CrossFit. I wanna run a marathon, whatever. They have this 12 foot ladder and there's only two rungs. There's the rung at the top that says write a book or start a business. And there's the rung at the bottom, which is the, the the name of the goal. And then there's nothing in between. So they stand at the bottom and go, to do this, I have to jump 12 feet in the air, yep. which is two feet higher than a basketball rim, grab it and pull myself up. And my version of that is, what if we put rungs every six inches on that For ladder? Sure. What if there were 50 rungs? You think you could climb to the top? Like, you think you could get there? And they go, yeah, of course. And I say, okay, well, let's figure those out together. Let's. So an example of that would be, I realized I was, I wanted stronger friendships. I wanted like that, but that's too fuzzy. I mm-hmm. can't do, I can't measure that. I can't make that a goal. So I figured out how do I turn that into a goal? So I decided I'm going to encourage one other man I know every day for a month. I'm going to think of 30 people and for a solid month, I'm going to, all I did was text. It wasn't like I wrote long letters. Like yeah. I didn't make it complicated. I would text another guy and go, Hey, I was just thinking about somebody who's brave and like every time I think of bravery, you're the person that comes to mind. Like it's so fun to get to see you do your life. Wow. And there wasn't a single man that said, I wish you hadn't told me that today. I wish you hadn't said that. 90% of them said, you don't know how much I needed that today. You don't know how much I needed that this week. And so now I took something fuzzy, be a better friend and made it actionable and tactical and then I could do it. And then like once you get these little things 
kind of steps, you want more of it. You yep, want more yep. momentum. And so you climb the ladder and you just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. That's how you get around the vision wall. So is that what you meant? You, so it's a wall, but in your book, you said the vision wall is a gateway. So it's a wall. But if you want to get to where you want to be, it's a gateway. Then you said this, it stands between you and your potential. It is only one rule to fulfill your potential. You must first create a detailed, compelling, long reaching vision for your life. When, when I read that, John, I thought, oh, that's book that's coming out in two years. That'd be a great book, the vision wall. And I'll write the forward for you and get full credit for that idea. But, but, you know, but I thought that's important. That's important, right? Because it's more than just you know, those little rungs on the ladder, Mm -hmm. those really are detailed, compelling, long reaching types of uh, uh, rungs to get you up and over, correct? Exactly. And and part of it is like, so I talk about the three different zones that people spend time in, you know, because everyone listening to this podcast is a high performer. And I know that because low performers don't listen to the content like this. They don't even know the category exists on Spotify. Exactly. So congratulations. If you're listening to this, you're already a high performer. The challenge is being a high performer doesn't automatically make you a high achiever. We all know people who are capable of sporadic bursts of performance, but Mm -hmm. don't turn it into long-term sustainable achievement. Oh, that's good. And the reason why is that High performers bounce between three zones. The comfort zone, we all know that one. It's talked about a ton. The chaos zone, which is on the opposite end. And then the middle is the potential zone. So we over talk about the comfort zone, but as men, we especially don't talk enough about the chaos zone. The chaos zone is where you try to do everything all at once. So you ricochet. So you feel stuck. And maybe in December, you're like, I feel stuck. I'm going to do some New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to date my wife. I'm going to be better than my kids. I'm going to run. A, I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm doing it all this weekend. Yeah. And you ricochet into the chaos zone and you don't accomplish any of it because it's chaotic and it's unreasonable. And that's why we have the phrase yo-yo diet in our country. Totally. Because people yo-yo back and forth. And in the middle is the potential zone, the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold, not too much, not too little. It's this perfect spot for you to say, okay, I'm doing sustainable action over time and building the life I want. Now, when it comes to having that vision, nobody leaves their comfort zone just because. There's not a single man that's ever woken up and said, today I'm just gonna have discipline. Today I'll just be, I'll have grit today for no reason. Just it's time to have grit. No, what happens is you get a desire that's better than your comfort zone. You see a little glimpse of something that makes you leave the, you shouldn't want to leave your comfort zone. It's comfortable. Yep. Like, you know, the rules, it's easy. But what happens is you get this glimpse of something outside the comfort zone that's worth leaving it for, worth being brave for, worth turning the television off for, worth sacrificing for. That's how you get out of the comfort zone. When you've got that little bit of glimpse of, oh, wait, I think I could do something different. I think I could be something different. I'm going to try. Okay. I like how you clarified that high performers bounce between three zones. Because when I was reading this, I thought there's also a fourth zone I want to add, and it would be the Christ zone. It's this zone that goes above and beyond. It looks into eternity. But but that wouldn't fit in the context of high performers bounce between these zones. So I do appreciate that. No, but for that. me, like, I don't, I mean, like, I, for me, the potential zone, um, is, is Christ. Like my, you know, you talked about Romans was a verse that guides you for this. Like I love where the rich landowner gives the talents out and yeah. there's five and there's two and there's Just one. Just read it this morning. I'm a, I'm a double the talents guy. Like yep. that's whether it's five or two, that's what I want to do. And when you read that passage, 
there's a party after there's a celebration yeah. so a lot of my message to men is let's get a shovel like you buried some of your talents let's get a shovel let's dig those up what would that look like how do we how do we lean into that so to me that's how i think about potential in regards to the gifts god's given you it's mm. like hey let's and you'll never see in the bible where god says play it safe i don't think i can do that like play it safer i don't think i can do that and so that's where I go like, oh, yeah, like when you tap into that, there's no end to what you can accomplish. Totally. Yeah. First, uh, second Corinthians four, 16 to 18 comes to mind that that which is seen is temporary, that which is unseen is eternal. And, you know, it's funny, I, just going off of that, when people ask me, how do I know God's will? I tell them it's well, it's usually the hard thing that you don't want to do. I mean, it's usually the with the great rewards. It's usually that 12th rung way up there. And God calls you to it, but says, but all you have to do is take the six inch step to this, this next one. And just, you know, like we started this ministry with 15 guys in a coffee shop. You know, we reached 8 million people last year. Well, my digital that's marketing crazy. gal thinks it's 18 million, but I don't think that's true. You can't double count, right? That's pastoral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a PK, you know, we're going <laughs> to yeah, double count. Easter. Baby. <laughs> How many people are at Easter? 10, yeah, that's our, we have 10,000 every Sunday. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, so, exactly. but I mean, this is good stuff. You just to take that next step. And so I, I was really encouraged in your book. I resonated once we get past this vision wall, I resonated with your paradigm for many it's a new paradigm for me i've been saying it all my life you talk about this best moments list can you unpack the value yeah. of this and what you learned from this that was so significant we're talking uh, page 35 in your book i think it started yeah. you start a seven fill in the blank questions it was really really good yeah so when i wanted to live into my potential i couldn't figure out what the next 20 years would look like i you know i just didn't i would that was impossible I was in my in the moment I felt a little stuck. So that left me the past. And so I said, you know what? I'm in an Augusta airport, Augusta, Georgia. I wrote best moments on the top of a piece of paper. And then mm. I started to list out the moments in the last five, 10, 15, 20 years where I felt most alive, where I yep. felt the greatest joy, where I felt like I was using my gift, where I felt exhausted but elated. That's you know, that doing the difficult thing but yep. it fills you up. And so I thought I'd write 10 down, 20 down. I ended up writing down more than 170. And <laughs> a couple things happened from that exercise. One, it taught me gratitude. Like we always tell people like you should be more grateful, but what's the action? The action for me was when you tell your head and your heart to remember great moments, you get naturally more grateful. The yeah, second thing true. it taught me was self-awareness because if you tell your head and your heart to look for those moments in the past, they automatically look for them in the present. Suddenly you'll be with your kids, your wife, you'll be doing something. You'll go, oh, this is mm -hmm. the best moment. Yep, like, yep. This is one like while I'm in it, like I describe being present as being nostalgic about the moment you're still in. Like oh, imagine as a man, if you didn't have to wait for a month to look back on something and enjoy it, you got to enjoy it in the moment and go, oh man, God, like you give the best stuff. And then the, the third thing that happens is that you automatically want more of that. Like you want more of that. And I, I heard somebody say the other day, like God will provide enough for me. And I thought he's not an enough God. He's a cup runneth over. Yeah, like for he, sure. We don't give him nearly enough credit yep. for how beautiful and gracious and gigantic he is. And so I started to teach the best moments list to other people. And there would be guys and I'd say, hey, do 30, write down 30. And they would write 300 and they couldn't stop. And so it ends up being this life plan for your future because you come up with all these moments and you go, this is who I was built to be. I want more of that tomorrow. Like yeah. I want more of that next year. 
some of this happened accidentally. How do I be deliberate about it? And that's where you'll go as a man, you'll go, man, I wrote down three community moments with other dudes. I didn't know that before I started the list. I want nine next year. I don't want three that happened accidentally. I want nine next year. And then all of a sudden you go, all right, cool. I'm signing up for that thing. I'm going to volunteer. Like I'm going to do that. Like, wow, here's these things that are true about me. How do I put them in the future? And where it ended up being counterintuitive, which I wasn't expecting was that we as a culture are addicted to sadness and trauma and, oh, yeah. and depression. And so, for instance, for every 100 scientific papers written about sadness, there's only one written about joy. What? We over-focused, yeah, we over-focused on negativity. And so this was the opposite of that. This said, whoa, 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 whoa. What if there was lessons in joy? What if there was lessons for us about who we are and who we could be? And so that's where the list got really fun for me is that it was so counterintuitive to so many things that we talk about. Well, and you know, it's interesting, John, I really resonate with this because I'm 57 and I've noticed my kids are out of the house. So what we're doing is we're starting to manage our home and we're not upsizing we're down, we're not down, we're kind of buying other homes, but I mean, we're not going to be in a bigger place. And my parents are giving all their stuff away. And so we get to a point where we accumulate and we start offloading and we get to a point that all that matters is memories. And you're a PK. I'm a, I'm a pastor who raised three sons and my kids all said, well, dad, you know, we never had a lot of stuff, but we've got great memories. And I said, well, that's because we've invested in the power of story and I'm going to jump down to page 180 really quick sure. because you said something that really resonated. You, to- you told your readers, own more stories, less objects. What do you want to say about that? Well, yeah. So what happened was I asked people to write down their best moments. And every single person that did it, we probably had three or 400 people do it. What happens is you start to categorize the list. There's four. Every one of those moments will fit in one of four categories. Yep. It'll be an experience moment, a relationship moment. Um, accomplishment object what or an accomplishment yeah and so I'll give you the breakdown you live in Oregon there's tons of hiking there let's just use that yep if you hike by yourself and it's beautiful that's an experience moment if you hike with another guy and he's going through a divorce and you're able to pour into him that's a relationship moment if you hike it faster than you've ever hiked and you wore a weighted vest like that's (laughs) an accomplishment if you grabbed a rock from the top because it reminded you you can do hard things that's an object So we add people, categorize them, and then count them up. And everyone's object list was the absolute smallest thing they had. for sure. Now, where that's crazy is we're taught you should want more stuff. Every form of marketing is you should want more stuff. But then when you really plumb your heart, you realize, but that's not the stuff that fills me up. True. So I said, what was interesting was the things that were on people's list that were objects, none of them were there just because. They were there because they told a story that mattered to them. So it would be stuff like, like a bow. Like if you gave your sons a bow and that was their first bow and that was what they got their first elk with, like they wouldn't keep the bow because of how the bow was made. They would keep the bow because how the moment was made. And so I started to say, okay, how do you invest in more of those situations where there's a moment attached to it, there's a person attached to it, there's a story attached to it. That's where you really start to see the small degree of stuff that's really, really fun is when it's a story. You know, it's so funny. I just got back with a, on a from our national leaders retreat in Red River, New Mexico. And while I was fly fishing, I, I was annoyed by this single mom with her two little kids who was getting tangled and ruining all the fishing. Mm. And God spoke to me, help her with those kids. So I got yeah. a, this strange, big, ugly looking dude, got to help her two sons, single <laughs> mom, catch their first trout 
So yeah. forever, there will be this picture yeah. of this big, ugly guy. They don't know who his name yeah. is yeah. holding this fish with their kid. Their first fish will be with their this strange guy. So to me, I was like, forget all the fish I caught. What mattered yeah. was be that experience. And that's what I loved about, you know, unpacking into these four categories. Again, their experience, accomplishment, relationship, and object. And so uh, that is so, and you said in your book, when these best moments are when your vision and your reality overlap. I thought yeah, that so was your really vision powerful. of how life could be. So yes. every man listening to this has a vision of here's the type of husband I am. Here's the type of leader I am or the CEO or whatever. And then you look at your reality. And if there's a gap, you shouldn't feel shame about that. You should say, look what, look at all this. I get to close with yes. God. Like, look at all this room for growth. Like the gap is pretty far and I get to close that. And that's, what's fun about doing your podcast for so long is that you get those emails. You get the emails yeah. from the guys that say, hey, you don't know me, you never met me, but you helped me close my gap. Like you did an episode on, you know, being truthful. And I, you know, I was truthful about something and it really changed my relationship. So you get to see guys that are closing those gaps. And that's where it's really fun is when you do have this vision of who you are and it matches the reality. That's so and true. And you go, I'm, you know, like when you marry off, you're marrying your son soon. Like that's going to be one of those moments where like, the boy I prayed over and dreamt about him being someday is the man standing at this altar. Like you talk about a vision and a reality overlapping, like that's going to be an amazing moment. Yeah. And he's, he's got my name. He's my firstborn with my name. So yeah. the, I, the power of story is so compelling to climbing the vision wall, to maximizing our full potential. Uh, hey, I, I want to jump into these three steps in your subtitle. I, yeah. I love the way you phrased them. And so I'm just going to do a little uh, 30,000 foot deal and I'm totally. going to let you go jump into it. So you talk about breaking our, our, our uh, dreams or our potential into three goals, easy goals, Middle easy goals are a, a two hour a week goal. These are what help us yeah. escape what you say is the comfort zone. Middle goals help us avoid the chaos zone, which is about a five hour a week investment. And then I, 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 I this is a bold move, buddy. I love this. You call them guaranteed goals. I, I want it. We're going to talk about this. They help you live in this potential zone. And this is about an eight hour a week investment. So this is a uh, page 209 of your book. So walk us through these. I, Again, I think if we look at this ladder rung illustration, I think this kind of helps us. So uh, I love how you phrased these three steps. Let's walk through them. Yeah. So an easy goal is when you start, when you kind of on ramp this idea. So if somebody said, you know, if somebody's listening to this, 83% of Americans want to write a book. That's yeah. one of the most popular goals, according to the New York Times. Really? So oh. if, yeah. So if there is a man on this podcast, listen to this podcast that wants to write a book, I wouldn't say write a book. I'd say write a chapter, write a page. Like what are some easy ways to engage with that as you climb this ladder? Yep. Like versus going, I got to write a whole book. Like you shouldn't, because I'll talk to men that'll say, I got to write a book and I'm going to do it so my dad knows my career choices were good. I'm like that, you're adding more pressure to something that already has pressure. Like yes. don't add, like exactly. don't add more to that. So what's an easy entry into that? So then once you do a couple easy goals, you start to get momentum. You start to enjoy the feeling of it. You start to, you'll start to sacrifice other things to do it. So I didn't stop watching TV when I started my blog because I wanted to be disciplined. When I found something I felt called to do, I couldn't throw enough time at it. Exactly. Like I couldn't wait to like, I tell men, I want you to have a passion that lights you up so much that Netflix is boring. Yep. I want Netflix to be boring. You have to know 
you're up against 50,000 of the smartest developers and programmers that have ever lived. Like reason you're distracted is not surprising. There's 50,000 people and their job description says, get more of your time. And they're amazing at it. And then you pick up a phone and go, oh, it's weird that I wasted all this time. It's not weird. They have PhDs on staff, psychiatrists on staff yep. going, how do we give this thing in the right way that makes them do this thing? And so an easy goal gets you started and it gets you moving in the right direction and it gets you and gets you going. Like it's like like debt. Like no one would ever say, hey, you've got four credit cards and you've got that. Pay them all off at once. Like yeah. what does Dave Ramsey teach? Debt snowball. snowball. Like do the debt snowball. So you build up and you kind of work into these middle goals. And then the guarantee, you're right. The guarantee is bold. But let me just give you an example of that. If you do CrossFit 50 times this year and you didn't do it at all last year, you are guaranteed to be in better shape. Yes. You, you just thought it's impossible for you not to be. If you take your wife on 20 dates this year and you took her on zero last year, it is guaranteed you will have a stronger relationship this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. So we like to put magic and mystery about our goals, but so many of them are just, are just math. Yeah. If I write 300 words a day, I have a book at the end of that year. I just like, it's almost impossible for me to not. That's a guarantee. And so that's what I mean by guaranteed goals is that if we'll take the responsibility, if we'll own the action, if we'll lean into it, we do get guaranteed goals in our life. And it's the opposite of what we're taught, but it's 100% available. Yeah, I've got a book behind me called Our Field Guide, The Bathroom Book for Men. And that was a daily journal I wrote for our children at the breakfast table out of my devotional life. And it was, it just, yeah. God, if you want to write a book, just get a journal and write in it every day. Here's, here's why people don't do it though. The problem <laughs> is excellence is boring. Yes. The excel excellence is boring. So like you don't see it. You don't see all the little things. Like think about it this way. I asked an NBA trainer the other day, he's trained a million people. I said, how many hours has Steph Curry practiced? I said, what's your estimate? Oh. Would you run those numbers for me? And he said, well, I think he started at six because his dad was Del Curry, NBA player. Yeah. He said from six to 35, I estimate 29,425 hours. A game, he'll play like 38 minutes. That's very small compared to 29,000 hours. So he's doing stuff all week, all year that you don't even see. Yep. Often alone, that's boring. And so as men, we have to be brave enough to go, I'm going to sit my butt down in the seat. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to like take running, for instance. The joke I sometimes do is that in Nashville, the spring is too rainy to run. The summer is too yeah. hot to run. The fall is too dark to run. And the winter is too cold to run. Yep. There's never going to be a good day to run. Nope. So, but, it, but that doesn't matter. Like if I've made the commitment to run, I got to go do the miles. Like no one will write your pages. No one will run your miles. No one will parent your kids. No one will love your wife. Like that's on you. So how do we engage in that? Easy goals that turn into middle goals, middle goals that turn into guaranteed goals. And by the time you've done that, you have proof that it's a guarantee. Yeah. By the time I'm on the middle of the ladder, I can see the top of the ladder, dude. I'm not guessing. Like, this is happening. Like, there's, there's, you know, if I had written one book, I probably couldn't have written about guaranteed goals because I didn't have, I hadn't climbed the ladder. Now that I'll turn in my 10th book the week that this ninth book comes out and people go, oh, wow, you write a lot of books. No, I just sit in this chair a lot. Yeah. Like that's the, like it's guaranteed. The 10th book is, is happening because I'm guaranteeing it to happen. The 11th book's going to happen. There's so many things you don't control. There's some things in life you do control and your actions you do control. Yeah. That's really good. Well, I, I'm at a point where I feel like writing a book's easy. 
but it was a nightmare yeah. the first couple, but it gets easier and easier. I, I love a, a phrase in your book and I want to go back and I think you made this phrase up. I'm giving let's you say, credit. So say, if you want it, say. And it, and I think this is a massive problem. You talked about Netflix, you talked about social media, but you called it what I, you called it quote, distraction technology. Yeah. And I think yeah. that I, it's worth me bringing up again because we've got to get, especially with us as dads, we've got to get out of the phone and, and love our children, love our wives, get off the couch and engage. Yep. It's in, we need to engage. And, and yeah, that's when, that comfort what I said zone. there is it's scaled faster than our ability to focus. Yeah. So think oh. about the leaps it's made in the last 20 years. My first phone had one game on it called Snake. And this yeah, little I, line went dick, 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 dick. like now you have every movie made in the history of movies on your phone. You have every video game. You have everybody you went to high school. You have you have 10 trillion distractions on your phone. It's only gotten harder. And the problem is our practice of focus hasn't scaled it the same way. You're absolutely Most right. men right now You're wouldn't go. Right. Yeah, here's how I work on focus. So let me give you a few. Like, let's just go practical. Like, for instance, I don't bring my phone into my bedroom at night. It charges in my office. Me either. If, it, if it's in the bedroom with me, it's game over. I'm going to look at it. Absolutely. I'm going to watch one video that turns into two videos. And then, like, I'm going to stay up to 1 a.m. watching, like, some stupid sport I didn't know existed on YouTube. And so I charge it in, in another room. Um, I read a lot on paper. I still read a lot on paper me because yep. paper doesn't have Instagram. Like if I try to read on a device, especially like a Kindle Fire is hard for me because it's got the internet. A Kindle Paperwhite is just black and white. I can kind of focus on that. But I'm always going, I can focus here, I can focus there. The other thing is like when I'm working out, say I'm on a run, I'm listening to 15 minutes of a sermon and then 30 minutes of a positive, uh, positive book. Like I don't, like it's kind of like this. I'm, I'm a negative person by nature, but I've tested negativity. I've tested positivity and the ROI of positivity is so much better. Yeah, for like, sure. And I, I have to work really hard on it. So I don't, I don't like starve my doubts. I drown them. So like oh, I'm good. in the word of God and I'm going, Hey, like I, I, you know, I need Psalm 23. I need that thing on a loop. Okay. Yeah. I need that. Th I can't trust myself to remember it. I got to memorize it. I'm listening to, you know, audiobooks that are helpful. When I'm driving somewhere, I'm listening to audiobooks. So like I'm deliberately my big thing right now is wisdom. Like I'm living in Proverbs and Matthew right now. And we're told again and again and again and again, although it costs you everything, get it. Although it costs you everything. So then I said, okay, well, let me make a list of what it costs. I've never done that. So hmm. what does it cost? Let's be let's get tactical, dude. Yeah, let's what does get it down cost it. for me to get wisdom? It costs me time. It costs me money sometimes. It costs me humility. It costs me ego because I got to admit I don't know. Um, it costs me patience because it comes at its own speed. So I made this list. And then you can go to your calendar and go, okay, where in my week am I going after wisdom? Yeah. Like, go, like the calendar is like time is the only honest metric. I meet a ton of dudes that go care about my family, care about my health, care about blah, blah, blah. blah. I go, cool. Show me the hours. Pie in the sky. And if you can't show me the hours, it's just the desire. It's not a reality. And so I realized I could not easily point where I was chasing wisdom and mm. investing in wisdom and going after wisdom. So now like one of my goals this month is 50 wisdom hours. And that can be getting wise counsel from people I, I respect. That can be reading, you know, Proverbs of Matthew and Psalm. Um, that can be listening to audiobooks. That can, there's, there's a number of ways I can do that, but I'm tracking it. I have, I'm tracking it in my notebook. Like I know right now, like if you look, I'll sh if you're watching this on YouTube, like, those are my wisdom hours. 
And so I know I'm already at, if we're recording this in the middle of the month, I'm at 34 for the month. Like I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill the wisdom hours. Like let's go. And so for me, that's what I mean by all it takes is a goal. When I find a desire in my life, I then goalify it. I go, how do I actually make this a goal so that I actually do it? Yeah. And that's See? in your book. So you get, exactly. it's free. Yeah. It's free with the book. Yep. Yeah, there's an action <laughs> well, tracker in there and I I you you know, I make my own all the time. So that's what I mean by all it takes is a goal. You find a desire and then you go, if I make it a goal, I'll actually do it. It'll actually happen. It'll actually, you know, come to be. So how do I do that? So is that would that be the same as saying I have a gap in who I want to be yeah. versus who I am or I have I have a few missing rungs in who I want to be versus who I am. And you're just kind of putting it. percent. Okay. Or here's two other ways. You see somebody in your circle and you go, I want a life like that. Like that yep, man, the way sure. they love their family, the way they lead. Like we've all had that experience. Yeah. We've all been around people that just their presence makes us want to level up. We go, I want. Now the flip side of that is we've all had what I'd call reverse mentors where we go, I don't want to end up there. Like yep. I see that person and that's like, I see how they made those decisions. I see what happened there. I'm going to make different decisions in my life. So the gap, you can find the gap in them and you might be on that path and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, if that's where this leads, like it's the ghost of Christmas future. Yep, I'm not going to sure. end up there. What does that look like? You find this gap. And again, instead of getting stuck there, instead of going, I don't know what to do. It feels overwhelming. It's so complicated. You go, can I make it an easy goal? What would the first, like, again, Okay, let's let's just do this. So maybe your gap is you're like, man, I don't feel like my wife thinks I appreciate her. Like I, I've noticed that. Like I've noticed that. And I want to change that. Like an easy goal would be every time she mentions something that matters to her, like an object, you put it in a, a file in your phone and you just write it down. And she says, Oh, I'd always I, I wish I had a new this. I wish, you know, this one ran out, whatever. In November, you open up that file and you have 20 things she said over the last three months mm. and you buy her the gifts that she's going to forget that you even took the time to write down and be blown away. There's a pro tip not, right there. Pro tip. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and <laughs> like you can make, you know, so for me, that's what I do so that like I know if we're on vacation somewhere and Jenny sees something at a store and mentions it and I write it down in November, I've just hooked up November me. Because now instead of trying to guess what I've listened for six months and it wasn't complicated, it wasn't painful, like it wasn't, but it says to her, hey, you matter to me. And here's the like, so I instead of saying, okay, you see this gap with your marriage, let's change your entire marriage this weekend, which overwhelming. You go, let's find a way to buy really good birthday presents. Like, what if we can figure that out? I bet yeah. we can figure that out. Oh, yeah. Like my friend Tom, my friend Tom makes it even better. He goes, Dude, I go to Amazon and I add it to a list in Amazon. So now I know not only what it is, but I can probably find it on Amazon. I can buy it there. So he said, I have a private list and like, that's even better. So Whoa. I'm saying find small things that you can do. And then once you start to see the reaction to those, the mm -hmm. progress, you're going to want to get them bigger, 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 bigger. And it just becomes this fun game. That That is great advice. I appreciate that. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I want to honor your time commitment here. And I think we've hammered through this thing. Guys, it's easy goals. It's middle goals. It's guaranteed goals. Uh, the object lesson today, which was not in the book, is this climbing the ladder with rungs. I think that's a great picture for us today. I want to end with a quote, and I'm going to ask you a question. Page 249, you said this. I'm going to let you respond to your own quote. 
The funny thing about potential is that it's never gone. It's always awaiting. It's always available. It's willing to be redeemed at a moment's notice. Yeah. So what I wrote about in that was that you're not an acorn. Like I love, it's such an old man thing that I do. I love picking up acorns and I love them because (laughs) of the potential they represent. Like a single acorn inside there is a 10,000 pound tree. Yep. Uh, it's such a beautiful picture of potential. But the problem with an acorn is that it can die. There can be six months, a yeah. year, like some acorns last even a couple of years, but eventually it can get to a place where it can't be reanimated. It can't, it can't be used. It can't be grown. Mm. And people aren't like that. You're never beyond the reach, especially of, of a God who makes streams in the wasteland, mm-hmm. like who, you know, like his favorite hobby is redemption. Yep. Like God's favorite hobby is redemption. And so you go, oh man, there's always, it's always there. Like, and there's so many men I know that would say I've messed up my life. God can't use me or I don't have potential. And then what happens is they end up using their story to help other men who have a similar story and God redeems it that way. And like, so I'll sell up. This is something I sometimes say to people is that Sometimes um, God uses your scars at lighthouses as lighthouses for other people who are headed toward the same rocks. And if you'll be brave enough to share them, they become lighthouses that help other people not hit those same rocks. And so there's so many ways that, especially in the context of faith, you see you see potential redeemed. And it's really, really fun when it happens. That's I love what you said. God's favorite hobby is redemption. I like to say God loves to turn our mess into his message. So that, yeah, I mean, that's exactly. so good, man. So let's talk about the book. Uh, this is coming out September 12th. It takes yep. a goal, the three-step plan, which you guys heard today to ditch regret and tap into your massive potential. How do these guys get a hold of your book on September 12th? Yeah. So it'll be available anywhere books are sold. If you're an audio person, I'm an audio guy myself. Um, I read the audio book. There's 10 bonus stories in the audio book that are only in the audio book. Um, my website's johnacuff.com, J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F.com. And then my podcast is called All It Takes Is a Goal. And if you're going to listen to one episode, listen to the one with Greg Sankey. He's the SEC commissioner of the football league crazy about Jesus, loves God, and it's a really powerful, fun interview to learn from somebody who's done some amazing things and is at the head of an amazing organization and that his faith is every bit of part of his every day. That's awesome. Well, hey, John, thanks so much for taking the yeah. time to come on and share your expertise and wisdom. Hopefully we'll get you back on when the next book next book comes around or we'll get you on with the, one of the books you've already written. Let's go. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Have a great day. So guys, what's next? Let's get our boots on the ground. What will you do in response to today's episode? And here is the challenge, guys. Fall is rapidly approaching. It is. This is the ministry season in churches. When we hit September, when we hit October, it's time to roll. And so I wanna encourage you guys to ask God what goal he wants to give you for this coming ministry year. If you aren't involved in any kind of community of men, I want to encourage you to join a small group, uh, or you can join one of our many virtual online communities by going at men in the arena, by going to men in the arena.org and just clicking join our program. And that'll take you to our links. that will get you plugged into a team of your own. Or if you're a guy who wants to lead a team, be watching for the release of my newest resource. It will be coming out any day now, and it's called help. 
I'm starting a men's group. And it gives you a seven-step plan to launch a men's group of your own and five weeks of meetings to get you started. It is a great resource. Also coming in the next month or two is my newest book, The Men's Ministry Playbook. This has 50 team meetings. Everything is laid out for you uh, from how to start a team to what your pastor's role is to 50 meetings. This is an excellent, excellent resource that we have created for those of you guys out there who want to start or lead a men's ministry in your church. This is the go-to and the how-to for how to start a men's ministry. So make sure you're watching out for that. That will be released in September of 2023. So let's jump into our man laws for the week. Our man laws are supplied by you, our heroes. And when we use yours, we want to send you some swag just to say thank you. This one comes from my friend Alex Pfeiffer in Oregon. And his man law is man law 24 in my book, man laws, 101 ways to get your man card revoked and rules to live by. And his man law is never call a handyman unless it's absolutely necessary. And if you do call a handyman, make sure your wife is not home so you receive full credit. So I don't know if he's saying a lie or not, but we'll just go with the truth here. So, hey, the life rule, guys, is this. Become a handyman around the house. And I can say amen to that. Hey guys, make sure if you haven't done so already that you subscribe to this podcast. If you are a subscriber, thank you. Go and write a five-star review on behalf of our show. This helps us climb in the ranks and impact more people for Jesus. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.